Hello, my friends. I'm Jonica, and this is the Build Your Bakery podcast, where each week I bring you topics that help you start and grow your bakery. I've built a multi-six-figure business around baking, and if there's one thing I can say about my 27 years in this industry, it's that boy, oh boy, have I learned lessons along the way. The Build Your Bakery podcast is all about sharing that knowledge with you and helping you build your dream bakery. Welcome, my friends. Let's dig in. Welcome back to the Build Your Bakery podcast. Today is part one of a two-part series. We're going to talk about the 15 things you need to do to start a bakery. And guess what? I have a checklist for you. You can get the checklist at buildyourbakery.com. All right, let's dig in. Number one on this list is going to be research the legal requirements for your state. This seems like something that's pretty straightforward, but what I want you to do is I want you to call your city, your county, and your state because every state is different. You're going to start out with the health department. I've heard people say it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. In this case, I'm going to strongly encourage you not to take that route. Call your local health department. They are usually the regulating authority for restaurants and all things related to food regulation. You want to ask to speak to the health inspector or the supervisor. Tell them what you're trying to accomplish. Example, you're going to open a bakery, you're going to start a food truck, you want to start baking at home. They're going to give you the proper information about what regulations you need to follow. I recommend having them come out and look at your facility if you already have it. What you don't want to happen in this case is to build out your bakery based on what you think they want and have them come in and make you change it. This mistake can cost you thousands of dollars. If you don't have a facility in mind yet, Give them a call and ask them what they require, what they like to see in a facility. Before you buy or lease your facility, have them come out and look at it. They're going to see changes that you might need to make to that location that you might not see. Again, saving you thousands of dollars. I would also encourage you to invite the fire marshal to come out and look at what facility you have or what you're thinking and planning at this stage. Because they're going to have certain equipment that they would like for you to have. Examples are grease traps, fire suppression, fire extinguishers. You'll find it much easier to work with these people when they see you trying to do things the right way. All right, number two is develop a business plan. And this is something people usually run from. It's scary. It seems like a big job, but it's really not that bad if you just know what to put in it. Inside the Build Your Bakery membership, I teach on this and I break down each individual piece that you need for this so that you can sit down, lay out all your information, put it together pretty quickly, and you're good to go. A business plan outlines your goals, your target market, and who your ideal customer is, your menu, your pricing, your marketing strategy, how you're going to reach your ideal customer. What do you think about business plans? I find that most people feel they're scary and intimidating. But what is a business plan really? Do you really need a business plan? What is its purpose? Most of what goes into a business plan is already in your head. It's just getting organized and onto paper. But the wonderful thing about making a business plan is it makes you think about all the aspects of your business and write them down. It forces you to get very clear about your goals, and this will help you on your track when you need to make decisions going forward. Number three is choose your name, your logo, and your brand kit. 
If you've gotten to this point, it's more likely than not that you already have a business name. But I want you to spend a little time here and I want to talk to you about naming your business. It's even possible that after listening to this, you might change the name of your business. The name of your business is very important. Very important. Not only will this be something that you say when you answer the phone, when you send customers through your social media, when you go to the bank, when you order supplies, when you introduce yourself to other business owners, it's the name that becomes your brand. The entire point in naming and building your business is not just having a name to give a customer. It's to build a brand. What do I mean by that? I want you to think a minute about companies or products that you know or use. Apple, Amazon, Nike, Disney, UPS. Those are just a few of the thousands upon thousands of companies you may know or use. When you see the Apple logo with a bite out of it, you know it's an Apple product. When you see that smile with an arrow on the end of it, it tells you it's Amazon. The swoosh on the side of a shoe tells you it's made by Nike. A name that can be in Disney font lets you know that it's Disney without even saying so. And when you see that big brown truck delivering your package, you know that it's UPS. I could go on and on. These companies have built a brand. Customers know what belongs to that company when they see it based on the logo or the colors. In the beginning of your brand is your business name, okay? So a few rules to go by when you're naming your business. Don't go all cutesy. And I don't even know if cutesy is a word, okay? But unless your bakery's whole vibe is cutesy, Mimi's Cuddle Company might make teddy bears. But that name doesn't do anything for building a brand and telling a customer what they do. Don't play on words. For example, don't name your bakery Flower Power and expect a potential client to hear about you and not type in Flower Power, F-L-O-W-E-R, when you've named it Flower, F-L-O-U-R. It's clever, but it makes it hard for a customer to find you. Don't misspell words, and this is especially important for when a business already exists that is spelled correctly. So don't take Cake Cottage, C-A-K-E, that already exists and turn it into Cake Cottage with a K. It's going to cause confusion. People are going to find the other Cake Cottage, not yours. And it gives you a marketing nightmare. Yes, they sound great, but when a customer tries to find you, they're going to type in something different. They're not going to know the unique spelling that you've given yours. So stay away from that. Don't choose a name that has nothing to do with what your business is unless you want to spend thousands of dollars building your brand and educating your audience. My first bakery was called Custom Creations. This is my third bakery, okay? In that first one, it was really a long time before I understood the marketing and why I shouldn't do that. Anything custom from any industry fits into the name Custom Creations. It wasn't a name that I could build a brand around. So go with something that's straightforward. Yes, you can use your name. My name is Jonica. My business name is Jonica's Bakery. My name is unique, so it helps me brand that. You can use your name in those, but just be really careful and really conscious when you're doing so, that it's going to be something you can build a brand around and that people will recognize what you do. The next part of this is going to be getting your domains and your social media platforms. You want to check those and make sure that they're available. Okay, you want to go, I use GoDaddy.com. 
you can go to GoDaddy, you can tap in what you are thinking, what the name of your business is, and you can see if that's available. You want to do that. You want to do it on social media. And if there's somebody out there, even if they're five states away from you, don't choose that name. Because the goal here is to build your bakery. The goal is to scale. And you might want to ship to that state. You may want to ship nationwide. You may blow up and and explode. That's what we want. We want to be able to scale you. And you can't do that if you have the same name in another state. It's harder to copyright. It's harder to brand. It's harder to get trademarks on any of those things. And you don't want that nightmare later. All right. The next on our list is going to be brand kit. Building a brand and a brand kit. I do this inside of Canva. I have a training on this inside of my membership. But if you pull up Canva, which is very similar to Photoshop, which is what we all used to use, Canva is just easier. It's more user-friendly. You can get a free account. And what you want to do is you want to go into Canva and go down to Brand Kit. And what it's going to enable you to do is to put in your logo, the fonts that you use, the colors that you use. That way you have immediate access to them. When you need to build something, when you need to make graphics, they're right there for you to pull. You don't have to go looking for them. It helps you see it all in one place and build a better brand. When somebody's making signage for you or some of you have a graphic designer who's doing some of your designs, they can pull out that brand kit and you don't have to do a whole lot of explaining for it. They know the colors, they see your vision, they see your fonts, and they can use all of those. If you have a special font that you've brought in or that you've had made for you, you can import that into Canva. So don't be afraid to play around and pull all that stuff inside there. All right, number four is going to be securing your domain, your emails, and your socials. Now, this is a big one for me, and I'll tell you why. When I started naming this bakery, and I named it Jonica's Bakery, of course, I secured jonicasbakery.com. I secured Jonica's Bakery at the lake.com, bakery at the lake, anything around what I thought that I might use in the future because I didn't want it to not be available later. So when you go in and you search for this, if it's available, go ahead and grab it. Even if you end up not using it, that $1.99 is going to be worth it. And here's why. There's a list that comes out. There are people that sit and watch these lists and they're looking for searches and very popular searches. And they will go ahead and buy up those websites based on what's been searched. I did not buy Jonica.com when I started all of this five years ago. Now, I wish I had. About a year into the bakery, I decided I wanted to go back and do that because I was branching out, right? There were other things included in my brand, and I really just wanted to move it all under Jonica.com. Somebody had purchased that website, and it went from $1.99 to this person that I reached out to. They wanted $1,200 for it. I said, no way. This is crazy. I don't need it that bad. I'm not going to do that. Well, about another year in, I decided, okay, that $1,200 might be worth it. I really want this to cover my brand. Well, guess what? Now he wants $19,000 for the domain. And it's just not something I'm going to do. So I could have avoided that if I had started from the beginning and gone ahead and purchased it. You don't have to use it, but you can have it as a vanity domain. You can feed If I wanted to tell people to go to jonica.com, then they could feed it right in. I can't do that because somebody else owns it and they're not even using it. So jonicasbakery.com is what I use. Everything I have goes under that. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you is when you secure that domain, make sure that you're getting a .com. Unless you're a nonprofit and you're going to do .org or you're government and you're going to do .gov, 
don't do anything else. Don't pick up the .me. Don't pick up the .info, any of those, just because you can get your website. If it's not available for .com, choose something else. Once you've received that domain, it usually comes with an email address. So you want to use the .com email address. You don't want to use a Gmail. You don't want to use something else. You want to use something professional. My website is johnicasbakery.com. So my email ends in johnicasbakery.com. It's what we put out for everybody to use. If I just had a Gmail account that was showing up in people's inboxes, it wouldn't be professional. So I highly encourage you to go ahead and capture that domain and that email. Do the same with your social media. Now you've named it, you see that it's available, go ahead and grab it on all of the platforms, even if you're not going to use them. It prevents somebody else from getting them. Number five is testing products and start audience building. For product testing, before you launch your bakery, it's crucial to test these products and start your audience building. The process is not only about making great bakery products, but it involves understanding your potential customer's taste and building a solid foundation for your business. Product testing being an essential part of the bakery, this is where you're going to refine your recipes, your product offerings. You're going to ensure that they meet your customer's tastes and expectations, okay? To do this effectively, you need to select your testers. They can be family, friends, potential customers, but make sure that it's people that are going to provide honest feedback. You don't want somebody to sugarcoat this for you because this is going to be your livelihood. You need that feedback and you need to be able to accept that criticism because it's a good thing. Listen to what people are telling you. Make adjustments that are people are telling you because the odds are it's going to appeal to the masses more so than just what you feel about that particular recipe. Now, yes, I'm going to tell you to stick to your original recipes, but don't be afraid to experiment with the variations. If you have tested a recipe and people are loving it, that's great. Keep it. But don't be afraid to test different toppings something that's out of the ordinary and test it with those markets as well. You may find that that one product line turns into two or three because of the variations that you can do with that. Then you're going to start audience building. While you're testing your products, you're going to start leveraging that social media, building an email list, holding tastings, networking, collaborating with influencers. All of those things are things you're going to do to build an audience. I have a worksheet on buildyourbakery.com that's downloadable. It's free and it's an audience building worksheet. It gives you all of the tools to find your ideal customer and to start marketing to them. We don't want to wait until we open our doors to start building this audience. We need the people now. We need to start building it so that when we do open, we have some people to sell to. All right, number six is going to be choose how your company will be set up. Now, this is an extremely personal choice. I cannot tell you how to set this up, all right? I can give you what some of the options are. Sole proprietorship, a partnership, a limited liability company. You see this probably more often than others. It's an LLC. Then you have an S corporation and you have a C corporation. There are a lot of different variables in what each one of these, how it impacts you and your family, how it impacts your business. Talk to an accountant, the person who does your taxes, if you don't have a person that's like that, then make an appointment with one. They'll usually sit down with you for free and go over these things for you. It's really, really important. You want to set this up right from the beginning so that you don't have any issues later. The right business structure is extremely important. Okay, so a tax attorney, a CPA, 
whoever does your taxes, make an appointment with them, sit down and make that decision before you go any further. Number seven is going to be set up a bank account and your accounting. Okay. Once you've met with this person and they tell you how you should set up, whether you should be an LLC, whether you should be a corporation, C Corp, S Corp, then you want to separate. You want to go and get your business license and open a bank account. Separate your finances. You will thank me later. Separate them now because you can take your bank account for your business, tie it in with your QuickBooks, and everything that goes through that account will go into your QuickBooks. And all you have to do is code it to where it goes. It's a lot easier to separate it now. And then at the end of the year, you're not trying to go through all those receipts and separate all these things to see where you are. You get a monthly snapshot and everything that goes through that one account goes into that QuickBooks. That's the best way. That's the way I set mine up. And that's the best way to do it is to get it separated. If you need personal money out of the business, you can write yourself a check. You can transfer money out to yourself, but then you have a record of it and you're keeping it separate. You don't want to mix them up together. And your accountant, when you sit down and talk to them, can tell you what things you can write off based on your situation, your business setup. Can you go to lunch and write it off? Can you write off your car? Can you write off your mileage? Can you write off, if you're doing this out of home, what percentage of your utilities can you write off for home? An accountant will be able to tell you all of that, but you want to do it up front. All right, that is the end of episode one, part one, and I'll be right back with part two.